personal with you this episode and talk to you about what is this glamorous life known as the life of a vegan cookbook author. I've been writing cookbooks now for almost 10 years and hate to break it to you guys, I still have to work a day job. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that with you in depth and let you guys know what it takes to write a cookbook, what it takes to get that out there and also how much of it is passion for what I do versus thinking I'm going to, you know, hit it big and become a millionaire. Because I got news for you. Unless you sell millions of books, you still got to figure out another way to make a living. So we'll talk more about that as well. So welcome to episode 10. We finally made it to the double digits. I'm sorry it took so long to get this episode out, but a lot's been going on in my life. And I'll even share some of that with you this episode as well. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for your support over the years. And super special shout out to Driftwood Magazine for giving this little podcast a shout out too. So here we go. Welcome to episode 10 of Vegan Road Ramps! Breaking news! So this is not really new news, but SeaWorld has decided to stop breeding orcas. 
um, not new news, but incredible news and groundbreaking news and world-changing news. Um, yes, they should have done it a long time ago. Yes, they were a pain in the ass for the last couple of years since Blackfish came out and their stocks have plummeted, but they continued to argue that they were doing right by the orcas. Finally, they have come to their senses and they have decided to stop breeding. So this generation of orcas are going to be the last generation of orcas that will be held in captivity at SeaWorld. They're also phasing out all of their uh, killer whale shows, even while they um, still have the whales. So they're just going to be living at SeaWorld and on display, um, not necessarily the most ideal situation, but definitely a step in the right direction. So for all the shit we've given SeaWorld over the years, let's give them at least a, a thumbs up for ending the oppression of the whales. And kudos to you guys for being the most amazing activists in the world because without you guys speaking out against the world and without you guys, you know, supporting movies like Blackfish and sharing the information on your social medias and with your family and with your friends, this would have never happened. This is an exact example of how not only social media, but just direct action by protesting, by telling them how we feel, and by voting with our consumer dollars. People stopped going once that movie hit. People stopped going. They lost like 80% of their business. So they realized that they need to listen and evolve. And hopefully it won't end with just the whales. Hopefully it will end with all of their species being let free and none of them being kept in captivity. SeaWorld does have a rescue program and they do do some good, um, but it does not excuse the fact that they exploit animals for profit. So let's give them a thumbs up for stopping the whale shows, but keep putting the pressure on them to continue their rescue efforts, but to stop profiting off the exploitation of animals. People like to go to SeaWorld because it's a fun thing to do with the family, but what they don't realize is that, a lot of people don't realize is that swimming with the dolphins, petting the dolphins, petting the starfish, things like that, that is horrible for the animals. The animals are miserable in those situations. So if they could figure out a way to, you know, continue with the roller coasters and the information and the education and the rescues by having a park that doesn't exploit the animals but rather provides safe haven for animals not in tanks where you can go and watch them be stuck in small tanks rather go and see informative and educational displays go ride on a roller coaster go you know hang out by the ocean because that's where SeaWorld is right next to the ocean and learn about the different rescue efforts so maybe they can just change their perspective and continue to move in the right direction so let's urge them to do that Vegan Road Rant. about a year ago or so there was a blog post up on um, a restaurant website. I'll put the link in the show notes so you guys can see it, though I fear it may have been removed since. Um, so Be Love is a farm in Northern California run by the founders of um, the restaurant uh, Cafe Gratitude. Maybe you've heard of Cafe Gratitude. It's a pretty um, famous vegan restaurant here in Northern California and Southern California. They have since expanded to open Gracias Madre, which is a similar concept, but all Mexican food, um, all vegan. So about a year ago, the founders of this restaurant um, have made a blog post about how on their farm they use animals to you know fertilize the soil to stamp down the soil to help rejuvenate the soil but then they go a little bit farther than that to say that they're also processing animals into beef bone stock and packaged meat like actual cow shares and selling raw meat to um, people that want to buy it from their farm. 
Now, this was tucked away in a blog post that nobody really read because, honestly, there's a bazillion blogs out there, but this one was on a restaurant webpage. I mean, who's reading restaurant webpage blog posts? Not very many. But then someone did read it and shared it, and then um, a year later, it has gone bananas on the internet, and people are just so angry. And I get it. I get that, you know... <clears throat> You depend on vegan companies when you walk into a vegan restaurant to know that your dollars are going to support a 100% vegan company that serves 100% vegan food. Now, we don't know when we go to a vegan restaurant what suppliers a lot of companies are using and whether or not they're using 100% vegan suppliers. For instance, when you go to buy wholesale produce, are you buying wholesale produce from a farm that is exclusively vegan or are you going to restaurant depot and picking up wholesale produce from the same place that's selling wholesale beef fish eggs and you know whatever so from from that standpoint it's hard to say don't support a vegan company because they buy their products from a supplier that isn't vegan okay i get you i feel you it is a tough one. However, this is a little bit different because these are the founders of a vegan company, founders of a vegan restaurant, that if you don't know much about Cafe Gratitude, Cafe Gratitude is like all about, it's almost cult-like in the way that they indoctrinate their customers and their servers and their employees to be, you know, to have gratitude you know their dishes are like I be I am love and things like that um, so it was really disappointing and left a lot of people with a sense of betrayal when they found out that the place where these restaurants are getting their produce from is from the founders of the restaurant have now been processing animals murdering animals to give themselves more profit and in doing so, made the most ridiculous excuses about how the animals are sacrificing themselves for, for the greater good and giving this gift to us of their body. It, and it's just gross. I mean, you can't... You, after telling people again and again and again and again how veganism is the best, the only, the most conscionable way to live, all of a sudden, you're saying, oh, but when an animal sacrifices themselves for you, which, you know, just that statement in and of itself is just so ridiculous. Sacrifice means consent. It's not a sacrifice if you're being murdered. By being murdered... <laughs> You don't give consent. You don't say, hey, I'm giving you my body. No cow ever told the fucking owners of So so Be Love or Be Love Farms that... Oh, it just... Ugh, it's very frustrating. I'm sorry. It's just... Ever since I read an article a few years, many years back, about Cafe Gratitude and the way that they wanted to have their employees go to these retreats and do all that stuff. I then and there was like, oh, there's plenty of other places for me to go. I do not need to spend my money in this frou-frou, weirdo, cult-like place. So I really, I've never been to Cafe Gratitude or Gracias Madre, so they're not losing my business because they never had it because they were already, already weird. So, you know, whatever. But when it comes to, when it comes to other affiliates they have, Sage Restaurant, which isn't necessarily an affiliate, so I want to be clear on that. Um, Molly, the founder of Sage Restaurant here in in Southern California, she has a couple locations. The owners of, of Bila Farm are her parents. And according to Molly, she has not received monies or... Um, her parents are not owners of her restaurant. It's completely separate management, completely separate companies. So she has asked please to be left out of this. However, she does buy some produce from that farm. Um, so there's that. So do with that information what you will. I'm here to tell you that 
her her stance specifically is that she is not part of the farm. She shouldn't be punished for what her parents do. And I have gone to Sage. I think they have really good food. Um, they do use honey or did use honey in a few of their items. Um, so there's that. But do with that as you will. All I know is that I do feel like we can support non-vegan companies that are giving you vegan options because we want them to be taking steps in the right direction. We want Ben and Jerry's to make uh, non-dairy vegan desserts because we want them to take that step in the right direction. I mean, even when we're talking about big companies like Unilever who owns Ben and Jerry's and people say, oh, they're the ultimate in animal cruelty. Okay, I see your point. But, but, when they offer plant-based options, because Unilever now, who also owns um, Hellman's slash Best Foods, has created their own eggless mayo, which after the big controversy with Hamden Creek, I don't know that I can still support, but they are making an eggless mayo. When companies take a step in the right direction to make vegan products available, from their non-vegan companies, that's something I want to support. But when a all-vegan company all of a sudden starts having products that are not vegan, that's a step in the wrong direction, and that's not something I want to support. So people, I've, I've seen both sides of this argument. Oh, we feel very, very betrayed. You, you are a vegan company that we gave our dollars to because we want to support all vegan companies and now it comes to find out you're not vegan, you're selling animal parts, you're selling murder for profit, I don't want to give you my money anymore. And then the other side of the argument is, yeah, but everything they sell at the restaurant is still 100% vegan and they've stated they will never sell animal products in their restaurant so you can always feel safe knowing that you're buying all vegan food at the restaurants. Yes, that is true. You can buy all vegan food at their restaurants, but it is a betrayal. It is a betrayal. And yes, people buy stuff at Whole Foods and supermarkets and things where it's not 100% vegan. However, they always have, they always have sold meat, they always have sold dairy, they've always sold those other products, and then they also sell vegan products. This is a company that has only sold vegan products, now all of a sudden, they sell non-vegan products. Ugh, that's backwards. I don't want to support companies that are going backwards. I want to support companies that are going forwards. So that's, you know, where I stand. I'm not ever going to give my money to Cafe Gratitude or to Gracias Madre, and I never have. So like I said before, they're not losing my business. But I, I feel everybody should be able to make this decision knowing that this was a company that prided itself. This was a company that preached, literally preached the the positivity, the compassion, and the gratitude of veganism. So, you know, to take a step backwards, it's just like all the other ex-vegans out there. It just makes me so sad that they know, they know, absolutely know how wrong it is to eat animals, how wrong it is to kill animals, how wrong it is to profit off of the suffering of animals. Yet they still made that decision, which to me says only one thing. They are selfish. They have put their own personal needs, whether that be for profit or for pleasure, above the compassion, above the love, and above the needs of the animals. And like I said, that only says one word to me, and that is selfishness. Vegan Road we don't have a vegan running for president this year, but we do have a couple of uh, interesting people running for president this year, to say the least. It's going to be what I am thinking the start of some sort of revolution. I feel like it's already started. I feel like it actually started in 2012 when the world was over, when the world was ending, and everybody thought the world was going to come to an end on 12-12, or whatever that date was at the end of the Mayan calendar. A lot of people thought that the end of the Mayan calendar meant the end of the world. I don't agree. I thought the end of the Mayan calendar meant the end of an era. You know, you have the Ice Age, you had the Bronze Age, you had the Industrial Age. I think we ended whatever age that 
last, the modern age, whatever it was called, the one that ended in 2012, and now the information age has started. So I do believe that that was the end of one era and the beginning of another, and the information age is what we are living in right now. We have access to so much information at our fingertips, right at our phones. I can sit here and record a podcast while I'm driving and stuck in traffic on my way home from work. So the information age is now empowering people regardless of your socioeconomic status regardless regardless of your educational level regardless of your you know place in society you can record a podcast you can have a twitter account you can have an instagram account or a facebook account or a youtube account and you can put the information out there that you want to put out there you can put your opinion out there so this presidential election I do believe is going to be probably one of the most interesting elections that I have seen in my lifetime yes we had elected our first black president with President Obama and that was an exciting election and we did have internet then of course but now now everybody's connected everybody's connected at their fingertips everybody's got their phones with them pretty much 24 7 there's information traveling so fast I can't even get my head around it it's amazing we've become information junkies and with information comes knowledge and with knowledge comes power and the people are rising up because they know better now and they're not going to sit back and they're not going to let the ridiculously extreme religious right take away our rights take away a woman's right take away rights based on their silly religions to tell us what to do with our bodies to tell us what to do with our vote votes and to tell us what to do with our dollars so pay attention pay attention to what's going on and vote with your heart I personally am uh, feeling the burn right now, but if Bernie does not get that nomination, I will, of course, support anyone that is not on the Republican ticket, and if that's Hillary, then I will support Hillary. She doesn't float my boat as much as Bernie, but I think that his presence and fighting right alongside of her has pushed her a lot farther to the left than even she's a little bit uncomfortable with, so... Hey, I think that's a win, even if he doesn't get the nomination. I live in California, so we're one of the last people to vote. So I don't know if my vote in the primary is going to make that much of a difference. We'll see what happens when that time comes around. But do vote, please. If you haven't had the opportunity to vote in the primary yet, please get out that vote. And once um, the nominees are selected for the parties let's go ahead and make sure we get out that vote to make sure the republicans don't take over the white house they've already ruined it for the last several years and we need to make sure that we get as many liberals in power as possible it's going to be better for humans it's going to be better for the animals it's going to be better for everyone vegan programs all right, it's that time for the Indie Music Spotlight. And today I'm featuring a local Long Beach band called the Vespertines. The Vespertines are an experimental jazz rock band. They're a four-piece band. And his funny little story, the guitar player, Alex. I actually know him from many years back. Uh, we used to work together at Whole Foods. I happened to be his boss at the time, and I remember him always turning in requests for time off because the band had to play a show or they had to go on tour. And I, being an ex-musician myself, yes, I was in a ska band, played the tenor saxophone in a band called the Knuckle Brothers way back in the 90s, had a soft spot in my heart for this fella because I absolutely love when people follow their passion and follow their dreams. And the Vespertines have been around since at least 2009. So they've been kicking it for a while in Long Beach. Vanessa, the vocalist, is a rock star, man. She just kills it. And I'm super excited to share this song with you. It's called Climatic. It's by the Vespertines. Check out the video in the show notes on justthefood.com, on the podcast tab, and all the links to their Facebook pages, their shows, coming up shows. They have a show coming up in Long Beach on May 12th. I'll have the links and all the information available in the show notes. Enjoy 
Climatic by the Vespertines. Climatic by the Vespertines. That was Vanessa Acosta on vocals, Alex Cater on guitar, Chris Walker on drums, and Kyle Cavaness on bass. Check them out at thevespertines.com. Download their album. It's only 10 bucks. Their new album is only 10 bucks on Bandcamp. Go check them out on May 12th in Long Beach and support your local indie bands, man. A little over 10 years ago, I started a food blog called JustTheFood.com. It's because it was the beginning of the blogger days, and prior to my JustTheFood.com blog, I had another blog that was called Trying to Keep the Glass Half Full. 
And back in those days, having a blog was less about being, you know, political or having a lifestyle blog or having a mommy blog or a vegan blog or a food blog, whatever. Before, it was more like just like a an internet journal that the world could look at. I don't know, maybe that's a little bit narcissistic, but that's what it was. And the one I had was called Trying to Keep the Glass Half Full. And it was just me doing what I did, just having a little journal. Mostly with my friends and family would look at it. But increasingly over time, all of my posts were more and more about food, 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 food. I had recently gone vegan at that time and was really in to figuring out cooking. Um, My husband bought me a copy of Vegan with a Vengeance by Isa Moskowitz, and I'd already had a Chef Tanya Petrovna's Native Foods cookbook and a couple of raw books. I was just really learning the ropes around the vegan and raw food preparation world. So I would post a ton of pictures because my husband wasn't even vegetarian at the time. So... I would post like pictures of what he had for dinner and what I had for dinner because I tried to just make the same thing he had but a vegan version. And my post just kept getting more and more about that. Food, 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 food. My family's just like, we don't really care what you're eating. And like food porn was just starting to become popular on forums like the PPK and other places. I think MySpace because there was no uh, Facebook yet or Instagram back in those days. So I started writing recipes. I started testing other people's recipes. I started using a lot of cookbooks. I started doing those kinds of things. And over time, I was like, hey, I'm a DIY gal. I like to make things. I have always been a DIY gal. In fact, when I was a little kid, I tried to make my own Cabbage Patch Kid with my mom's nylons because I was so mad that my sister had one and I didn't. But that's beyond the point. Anyways, I was a DIY gal. I was like, I'm going to write my own cookbook. So I started writing Cozy Inside, which was self-published. And now looking back on it, I'm very proud of the recipes in that book because I just did that all by myself way back in the day and it was super comfort foody and super great but now looking back at it the photography is awful the you know the layout and design is more like a zine than it is a book but regardless the recipes are good and it was a fun little experiment and I had a great time doing it so then I started working on my second book Keeping in mind that this is just a hobby, I'm just thinking, okay, cool. Started working on my second book, which was all about veggie burgers, and it was going to be called Just the Burgers, kind of to go along with just the food, and it was 101 different kinds of veggie burgers, and I had hired Celine Steen to take the photographs for that book, and as luck would have it, we were about halfway done with it. Actually, I was pretty close to done with it. Not 100%, but I was pretty close to done with it. When Celine and I were contacted by Fairwinds Press to write a little ditty called 500 Vegan Recipes. That was, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, in 2007. So we worked on that. We had six months to do 500 recipes. There was no photography in this cookbook. It was part of a series. We had six months to do it. We hired a lawyer to look at the contract. We were like, what? I don't know, huh? Um, Thankfully, Celine lives in California, and I was able to drive out to meet her in person, and we were able to do a few things together um, instead of only knowing each other via the interwebs, which um, was really cool. But um, So we wrote that book, and we were told by... We were told by the publisher that on average you know a cookbook especially one in a series like this would sell about 3,000 copies and that would be good that would be average that would be you know what they expected well before we were even released with 500 vegan recipes apparently it had sold more than 3,000 in pre-orders so we went ahead and were offered our next book before the first one even came out 
called uh, The Complete Guide to Vegan Food Substitutions. And that, and Selena and I wrote that one together. And that one, to this day, is still our number one selling book. Um, all the meanwhile, the Veggie Burger book's kind of hanging out in the background. Um, you know, we were offered a third book to write together, which was the... Um, the book has two names. It started out as Hearty Vegan Meals for Monster Appetites is what the original book was called, but I think that scared off a few people. So they renamed it um, Home Cooked Vegan Comfort Food. So that book is the same book, whether you see it under either title on, you know, online or whatever, that is the same book. Um, so yeah, Hearty Vegan Meals for Monster Appetites and home-cooked vegan comfort food is the same book it's all comfort food it's very decadent and delicious anyways so while that was happening I was still trying to put the finishing touches on this veggie burger book because now at this point Fairwinds was like what you already have a book almost completed so I finished that one up and Celine was able to take a bunch of pictures for that and it came out great and I was super happy about it so now we're up to what cozy inside 500 vegan recipes Complete Guide to Vegan Food Substitutions, uh, Hearty Vegan Meals for Monster Appetite, and now this Veggie Burger book. Now I'm up to five books. I was like, whoa, I'm like an actual author, not just somebody doing this as a hobby. But still, I was working full-time. I was working for Whole Foods Market um, as their food services team leader. And eventually, I would transition into their marketing team leader. Um, but, you know, in between shifts, I would, you know go do book signings or do cooking demos and things like that still try to maintain the blog regularly now Facebook exists now Instagram exists now Twitter exists so I, I could have made it a full-time job just taking care of those things but the truth is even with five books under my belt I didn't feel confident that the money was there for me to be able to quit my full-time job and maybe that's just me being scared or maybe that was just me you know, not wanting to have the responsibility of the hustle. I'm not 100% sure. But I do know that our books were selling well, well enough for them to reach, you know, top seller status on Amazon several times, um, enough to be getting decent checks a couple times a year, but not quite enough to replace my, my full-time income. So I made a deal with myself. When my book slash vegan food life started making more money or more than half of what I was making as a full-time job, then I would turn that vegan book writing, cooking, cooking classes, pop-ups, things like that would become my full-time job and Whole Foods would become my part-time job. Because let's be real, I worked at Whole Foods. I got a discount. I had really cheap insurance. It was a really great place to work. They treated me very fairly and I, I didn't have a, a bad thing to say about them as an employer. It was really great. So I didn't want to lose that relationship with them. Meanwhile, I'm still writing new books. Uh, let's see, what came next? After Veggie Burgers, um, let's see, we did, uh, Celine started doing some other projects on the side with um, Tammy, no uh, Tammy Noyes. So they wrote a couple of books together. Um, I wrote a book called Vegan Food Gifts um, along, Celine did the photography and um, a friend of mine, Kurt Halsey, did all of the illustrations and helped me out with that. And that was like a craft DIY book. So I wrote that. Um, then I think what was next, Fusion Food in the Vegan Kitchen um, came out next. And that still to this day is probably, I know you're not supposed to say this, but one of my most favorite books that I've written. Um, just really everything from scratch, super focused on whole foods, making everything from the sauces to the, you know, to the doughs and everything's from scratch in that book. Everything but the tofu, because I'm still too lazy to make my own tofu. But anyways, so that one came out and I decided I wanted to do a book tour. So I did a nationwide book tour for six weeks in my car. It was super awesome. I, it was just one of the most amazing experiences. I connected with so many people. I made it all the way to New York and back. Um, it was just really, really awesome. So I did that and I was like, man, this is really the life I want to live. I want to live the life of a cookbook author. I want to go out and do events. I want to do all of these things thinking how glamorous it is. But still, the money hadn't caught up with the passion 
you know, I was selling books, books were selling, people know who I am, they came up to me and said, oh, you helped me become vegan, and that's really more important to me than any amount of dollars, is, you know, changing people's lifestyles to become more compassionate, you know, so I go get back from my tour, and I come back to work, now I'm working on a few new projects, I've got uh, Going Vegan, which was a project I did with a nutritionist and a healthy eating specialist on how to transition to a vegan lifestyle um, healthfully and tastefully from both an animal rights perspective, which I provided, and from a health perspective, which the, the nutritionist provided. So we did that. Um, let's see, what was next? After going vegan, oh, Selena and I got back together for another project called The Complete Guide to Even More Vegan Food Substitutions, which was pretty rad, um, because that, you know, six, five, six years had gone by since the first one, and, you know, we all have changed the styles and the way we cook. New techniques have come out, um, exciting new products and things like that, so we wanted to do an, an updated version with new recipes, um, completely stand separate from the first one, but they would also work very well together. So we did that. And it's been doing really, really well. And then, Selena and I, let's see, where am I at now? So we have five, uh, Cozy Inside, which was my self-published first one. We had 500 vegan recipes. We had the Complete Guide to Vegan Food Substitutions. We had Hearty Vegan Meals for Monster Appetites. We had the best veggie burgers on the planet, vegan food gifts, the, um, the complete guide to even more vegan food substitutions. Then we had, um, did I say going vegan already? Going vegan with Jerry. And then, um, I don't know if I mentioned it, fusion food in the vegan kitchen. Okay. So that's nine. So that's nine. And now we're getting, you know, our books are being published in other countries and we're in Finland and Germany and Switzerland and, you know, Spain and it's just pretty cool I got a stack of books that I've written a mile high sitting on top of my desk and uh, then we get contacted I get contacted by Celine for a new project she was working on called um, well originally it was called uh, the great vegan book of nuts because Celine had been working on a couple for a series um, on whole grain cooking protein different things so this was going to be part of a series all about nuts and so she asked, do you want to be part of this with me? And I said, absolutely. So we wrote a whole book about nuts. And that one's getting ready to come out this summer. So now we're up to 10 cookbooks. That's right, 10 cookbooks in 10 years. And it is very, um, it's very difficult work. But see, I was still working full time for Whole Foods. Thinking, okay, this is, this is, you know, it's, it's, it's coming up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna... I'm going to be able to quit this job soon. I'm going to be able to make a deal, you know, that, that'll get me to do some freelance gigs and do all kinds of fun stuff. And this was, you know, in 2015. But still scared to take that leap. And then Whole Foods decided it was going to reorganize. And my position was eliminated. So I had an option put forth in front of me last fall in September hey, do you want to reapply for a different position? Or, here's the severance package we'll offer you if you want to take a severance plus 12 weeks pay. And I was like, what? Okay, oh my gosh. Go home, talk to my husband. And I took the package. So here was what I thought was this great opportunity for me to finally take that leap of faith and say, hey, I can make this happen without a full-time job. I had a little cushion in the bank from Whole Foods, thank you, to, uh, you know, make the transition a little easier. And then I, as soon as my last day was, I got to work. I started working for SoCal Veg Fest for the entire month of October. I was doing some freelance work, writing, uh, writing recipes for some other folks. I was doing, um, you know, freelance uh, copywriting. I was doing freelance recipe development. I was doing some stuff for Veg News. I was doing all kinds of things, and I thought, okay, I could do this. This is cool. And like the first two months without working full time for somebody else, I actually made three times more money than I was making when I was working. But here's the deal with freelance it's a hustle, and you gotta always be working. And if you don't have the jobs, and if you don't have the extra income coming in, then 
you're out of luck, you gotta figure something out. And that's what happened to me. My freelance opportunities like dried up and I don't, once again, not sure if, if it was me just not willing to hustle enough or if that's just the life of freelance, you know? And I'm starting to think that, yeah, it's just the life of freelance. Life of freelance is hit or miss. You, you, it's either rain or shine. So if you don't have a ton of money saved up in the bank to make you feel comfortable, you can feel really stressed out. And feeling really stressed out without having a bunch of money in the bank can lead you to make poor decisions or seem desperate or take offers that are less than what you're worth. And so here I am, it's the holidays, already a difficult time to be looking for work because people's minds are somewhere else. And I'm thinking, okay, what am I gonna do now? Hmm, all right. So my 12 weeks of pay is gone now because I, you know, it had been 12 weeks. And I didn't want to cut too deep into that severance package because that really was what we wanted to use as our savings account for the future. Oh boy, it was not easy. So I started looking around for different jobs, applying for things that I thought I was qualified for, finding out that people aren't even willing to pay $15 an hour for someone with a, you know, and I'm not saying that this is me, I'm talking about what the requirements were for one of the positions I applied for. The requirements were two years experience, a four year degree in graphic design, um, and plus tons of knowledge on all kinds of computer programs for a $15 an hour position. And I was like, wow, man, the job market's really tough out here. So what should I do? Let's continue trying to do these freelance gigs and things like that. And I came across a guy that was looking for someone to help him develop a, a fresh foods program for office buildings and met up with him. And that seemed like a really cool gig. I was really digging it, but it turned out he was a psychopath and not only didn't ever pay me, but you know, decided to steal from me as well. So that didn't work out and it actually put me in a huge setback. And once again, I started feeling like shit, I'm starting to feel desperate and I'm starting to make stupid decisions. So I was like, okay, but I need a paycheck. You know, my husband and I just bought our house in Long Beach a year and a half ago. And I don't want to lose our house because I think I'm too, you know, hot shit vegan cookbook author that doesn't need to work for somebody else. So I bit the bullet and I just started applying for any job I could find, which leads me to today. So here I am. I've got 10 cookbooks under my belt, nine completely out there for the world to buy anywhere books are sold or through Amazon or whatever. And one coming out this summer. Yet now... I am working two part-time jobs, pretty much working seven days a week, just to make ends meet until that next check comes from the publisher. And I'm working, you know, doing really strange things that, that I normally wouldn't do. Like I'm working, doing administrative work in an escrow office, which is great work and I'm thankful for the, for the job and I'm thankful for the paycheck. But what does that have to do with veganism? What does that have to do with me writing cookbooks? The only thing I can say about that is that I'm super grateful for a job that's super flexible and allows me to, you know, work different types of hours so that I can do the other things I need to do. So thank goodness for that. And then I have another job where I'm working out at Tanaka Farms in Irvine giving strawberry tours, which is, I'm not going to lie, super fun. I have a great time tromping around in the mud out there and getting pulled behind a tractor giving strawberry tours to kids. But let's be real, that's a, that's a college kid's job. That's a, a minimum wage job for kids that are in college that will work 15 hours a week, you know? That's not something a 40-year-old woman does, but I am having fun with it, and I am thankful for the paycheck. So, I don't know. I think that when we look at Instagram, and when we look at Facebook, and we look at YouTube, and we see what we think are very successful and very, you know, have, it, have their shit together people with their beautiful food porn and their beautiful photographs and their blogs and their books. We just assume that these are all successful people and that they're, that they're you know, living the glamorous life. I mean, if you look at my Instagram, all you see is pictures of food all the time. Food, 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 food. Like I have all day long to be cooking or going out to eat and things like that. The truth is I work almost seven days a week 
when I get home, I'm exhausted, but I feel the, the need to either cook a, a meal for me and my husband, or sometimes I just cook specifically so that I can take a picture for Instagram or something because I really feel the need to stay connected with the public when it comes to, you know, veganism and sharing recipes and sharing, you know, my my viewpoint on it. So I beg you, the public, to to think about that when you're when you're looking at other people's Instagram feeds and and checking out their blogs and following them on Twitter and liking their Facebook pages to support those artists that are really pouring their heart and soul into into their work and understand that that there are very few of us that do this only full time we do it, I, I, I almost want to say I do it as a hobby, not for a living. I do it because I'm passionate about animal rights and I'm passionate about veganism. And I really do want to show the whole world that they don't need to kill or torture an animal to have a tasty meal. But let's be real honest, right now it's not paying the bills for me or for a lot of people. And that hustle is real. And you have to get out there. And then you get, you know, offers from magazines or other websites telling you, hey, give us a a recipe for free and it'll be great exposure for you. So once again, you're getting, you know, offers to do things that are not paying the bills. Sure, it might be good exposure, but, you know, I, I can create my own exposure. I don't need to write for some other website to get quote-unquote exposure. I need to get a paycheck. So, consider supporting, if you have an extra dollar or two, any, any of the vegan companies or vegan individuals who provide something that you enjoy, whether that be a podcast, whether that be a cookbook, whether that be recipes or an app or a product, support those people because I can almost guarantee you they are struggling to keep their head above water because they are passionate about animal rights and passionate about veganism the way that I am. It's not a glamorous life to be in business for yourself. It's not a glamorous life to earn a dollar a book for book sales. You know, yeah, you guys pay $20, but us authors generally only see about a buck of that. And that is whether you're, you know, JK Rowling or Isa Moskowitz or myself, you earn a percentage of sales and that's just what it is. So support those people and understand that they are truly working hard because they're passionate about it and most likely struggling to keep their head above water, trying to do something maybe that's either against their political views or their moral standards or something that's just literally clocking uh, clocking in to get a paycheck. So that's just a little insight into the world of freelance, into the world of, you know, the glamorous life of a cookbook author. And um, I hope... I hope that you guys will understand that we do it because we love it. And if we could do it without having to, you know, work another job, we would. But unfortunately, it doesn't always pay the bills. Not yet, anyways. So, thank you. Vegan Road Rant! Alright, so my husband and I have been married for... 11 years and we've been together for 21 total years since we were little kids uh we dated for about six years before we moved in together and we've been married since our 11 year anniversary so a little over 21 years we've been together and one of the things that i think has kept us strong as a couple is that we spend a lot of time apart from each other And I don't mean that as like we don't get along or whatever, but the time we do spend together is appreciated. We really enjoy the time we spend together because we don't spend that much time together. That is until recently. So (laughs) my whole life, I've never had a nine to five job. I've never been home at night. I've always been gone while he eats dinner. So maybe once or twice a week we're together at dinner hours and once or twice a week makes me very excited to be able to cook for my husband and cook a big home style meal because that's the way he eats he eats 
to be honest, like a 12-year-old. He likes frozen foods, corn dogs, pizza, macaroni and cheese. I mean, he literally eats like he's 12 years old. He likes yummy foods. And so this, like, kind of arrangement worked out perfectly for us because he could, you know, throw in some frozen foods or buy some garden burgers or get some light life hot dogs or something like that and he's good to go he doesn't need culinary prowess in the kitchen to make his yummy foods um but when i cook i like to cook i don't like to cook frozen foods i mean they're convenient and they're nice but that's not my style of cooking i like to like actually cook but dan doesn't like onions he doesn't like mushrooms he doesn't like spicy foods so he's like I said he likes yummy foods so once or twice a week for him I would like make meatloaf or you know like roasted potatoes and um, chicken fried steak and or mashed potatoes and some kind of turkey or something like that like all vegan of course and it's always worked out because once or twice a week it's fine I'll do that I'll make those kinds of foods for him but now Monday through Friday, I am home at dinner time. And so I have this whole new, like, weird, like, I don't know, archaic or maternal or wife-like pressure that I put on myself to make sure that I put dinner on, on the table for him every night. And I've never had to do that before. And so I'm having this super, like, it's all on me. He could care less. He'd be happy to just still make himself corn dogs every night. But that is really weird to me. Like, I'm not going to let him do that and then make myself some extravagant tacos or something like that. So, last night I'm like, oh my god, I don't know how to make you dinner every night of the week. So, I don't know how you guys deal with these kinds of things. But, I told him I need him to like make a list of things that he would like for me to cook for him. Give me a list of main dishes, a list of starchy sides, and a list of, like, vegetable sides that he likes. That way I can mix and match those and actually make him dinner every night. Because I I do like it. And I'm not, this is not about being old-fashioned or anything like that. I love to cook. And I love the fact that I'm home every night to cook dinner. I just don't love the fact that I'm cooking dinners that he may or may not like. For instance, last night I made bowls. I made rice bowls. And I use the Gardein um, teriyaki chicken, which is delicious. But that's, to me, not necessarily cooking. That's a convenience food. And it's delicious. And it worked out fine. But I like to make seitan or tofu or tempeh or make my own marinades and do all of this stuff. So for me, that's like cheating. That's not really cooking. But if he likes it, that's great. And it's easy. So I don't know. Maybe you guys have some tips for me. I mean, I love to develop recipes and, and, and make different foods, but what are some really good, let's see, I don't want to say normal, but plain type, uh, 12-year-old friendly, even though my husband's almost 40, uh, dishes that I can make for my husband for dinner is the weirdest thing to me, to be home at night with him. I told him, man, this is either going to make us or break us, because we are just not used to spending this much time together. Then I told him I'm going to ask if I could just work the night shift. My job doesn't have a night shift. I work on a farm. <laughs> but uh, I told him I want to ask if I could work the night shift so I can not see you. <laughs> so it's uh, it's interesting. So that's that's my uh, my dilemma right now. I know it's it's a it's a if that's all I have to worry about in life, then I'll be doing just fine. But it is a funny little thing that came up because I've never worked a job where I was home at dinner time at night it just it wasn't that wasn't my life so it's all very interesting so I have talked a lot about how the struggle is real for those of us trying to keep our head above water doing what we're passionate about and making vegan art whether that be podcasts or movies or books or blogs or recipes so i thought i'd shout out a couple of um 
people I like to support and I think you guys should support too. Uh, the Bearded Vegan Podcast. Uh, Andy Tabar and um, he runs the Compassion Co. T-shirt company as well. So definitely check those guys out. Uh, let's see. Ruby Roth cookbook author, new cookbook author for kids and she also is the author of several other children's books about veganism and why we don't eat animals. I love her stuff. Check it out. Jackie Sobon, Vegan Yak Attack. Uh, her food photography is out of this world. Her recipes are super fantastic and her cookbook is coming out pretty soon. Vegan Bowl Attack. Mmm, who else, who else? The Sexy Vegan, Brian Patton, cookbook author and podcaster and vegan news anchor with Vegan Food Chair. Another awesome person, a Vegan Food Chair. Check out that account, follow it, and see all that they're doing. Erin uh, at Olives for Dinner. Her and her husband do food styling and food photography. She runs an awesome blog called Olives for Dinner. Her food is flipping amazing and it's flipping beautiful. So check it out. Check out Amber at Fettle Vegan. She also does a monthly taco pop-up in um, Fullerton called Taco Lepsy. Check it out. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Big fat sexy no big fat vegan radio big fat vegan radio is a wonderful podcast hosted by honey the bronx and laura yaz so check that out um it is also very 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 fun uh who else who else who else colleen patrick goodrow she is a amazing cookbook author and her podcast the joyful vegan always keeps me from getting a little bit out of control when it comes to my angry rants because she brings me back down to earth and reminds me to look at everything through a compassionate lens check out the brown vegan the brown vegan is an awesome podcast looking at things from a different point of view uh, what else what else what else there's so many there's so many wonderful things if i forgot you i'm so very sorry i'll try to come up with a list to put in the show notes um, with lots of links and stuff so definitely check out uh, driftwood magazine driftwood magazine is the magazine for the graduated vegan travel lifestyle it's a pretty awesome magazine run um, out of portland herbivore clothing in portland and oh now that my head is in the portland airspace i can come up with a million of them oh my goodness portland 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 Speaking of Portland, my friend Kitty that lives in Portland, Kitty Burns and her cookbook, Tef Love, a super awesome Ethiopian food. She also does the Papa Tofu zines, so check her out. In Portland also is Julie Hassan. She does Julie's Originals and Julie's Kitchenette. I she has all kinds of fun stuff. She used to have a food truck or food cart in Portland called the Native Bowl. And she also is a cookbook author and has written many, many, many cookbooks from best chocolate recipes to best pizza recipes to casseroles. I mean, and her vegan diner cookbook, just really, really awesome recipes as well as her cake mixes. That's her newest adventure. She has gluten-free and vegan cake mixes and brownie mixes. So check those out. Oh, Kelly's Croutons. Kelly's Croutons are my favorite cheesy garlic vegan croutons. They are so incredible. She does croutons and she also does parmy sprinkles um, in a couple of different flavors. Uh, she does the original. She does chipotle and she also does... Um, the new one lemon pepper she also has a new thing it's called just the crumbs and it's all the crumbs from the bottom of the crouton bag <laughs> sold separately and those are pretty freaking amazing too and they taste awesome sprinkled on salads or pasta or whatever so check out kelly's croutons what else what else what else there is tofuna fish he just came out with fish sauce so vegan fish sauce made by tofuna fish company um entrepreneur right out of portland let's see let's see let's see what else we have going on 
Oh my, oh me, oh my, there are so many wonderful people doing wonderful things and I want them all to succeed and I want to give them all my money. So outside of just the vegan world, although they still happen to be vegan, check out Citizen Radio. Citizen Radio is another podcast. It's all political, but it's done with humor, and the hosts are vegan, so check them out. Jamie Kilstein and Allison Kilkenny. She also does fiction writing um, on her Patreon page, and Jamie just left to go on tour with his band. So that's pretty awesome, too, and that's a daily podcast. Speaking of podcasts about politics, I also really enjoy listening to Radio Dispatch, a brother and sister from Iowa recording in an apartment in Brooklyn. So that's a fun one to listen to, too, political. I don't think that those guys are vegan, but I do think they are vegetarian, and they're very uh, sympathetic to that cause as well. So check them out. They're always talking about interesting stuff. Oh, there's so many things you can do with your consumer dollar as well. Make sure you're supporting all vegan companies. Make sure you're supporting companies that are making steps in the right direction and offering vegan products. Check out all the new products by fun and exciting companies doing fun and exciting things like follow your hearts with their new provolone and smoked gouda slices, their shaved uh, parmesan, their new line of gluten-free breads. I mean, come on, follow your heart is killing it these days. Their blue cheese, what? their creamy garlic dressing what all that stuff super super good check out what other new products do we have Gardein has a bunch of new products that um, they had uh, debuted at Expo so check those out uh, including some breakfast products speaking of new things that happened at Expo the plant-based foods association finally we're gonna have our own lobby to speak for us when it comes to fighting for the rights and laws in Washington. So find out more about Plant-Based Foods Association by clicking on the link in the show notes. And I think that's enough plugs for this hot minute because you probably are sick of listening to me just list things that I like. (laughs) Because I could do that for like two hours. So I will stop now. Vegan Road Rant! Well guys, that's it for episode number 10. Thanks for hanging in there with me. Sorry it took so long to get this one out there. If there's anything special you want me to talk about, please leave me a comment on the podcast page on my website or shoot me an email to joni at justthefood.com or on any of my social media pages at Joni Ray Newman on Instagram or Twitter. Thanks so much, and I hope you guys have a great day. You've been listening to Vegan Road Rants with Joni Marie Newman. To find out more about me and veganism, head on over to my website, justthefood.com. Click on the podcast tab to find show notes and links to all the stories we talked about in today's episode. You can follow me on Twitter at Joni Marie Newman. Like me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Joni Cooks Vegan. Extra special thanks to Mr. Michael Samino for providing the amazing theme song and sound bites for this podcast, as well as to Scott McClymans for providing the amazing artwork. Remember, it is never okay to murder or torture another living being just for a tasty supper.